with a lot of hockey and baseball to a little BS. It's the BS Sports Show with Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to the BS Sports Show. This is episode two. I am Brendan Azoff. With me, as always, is Stefan Rosner, and today is a huge episode. Later on, we will have a very special guest, Jamison Coyle of the NHL Network. And throughout the show, we will be discussing the drama that has gone on around the NHL. And, of course, playoff hockey starts today, kind of, with exhibition games. Next week, our show will be live on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Tuesdays, we will be doing our hockey show, and on Wednesdays, we will be talking baseball. So, Stefan, I don't know about you, but this morning, I woke up. I was feeling good. I jumped up, looked towards the sky. It was like, thank the heavens, hockey is finally back today at 4 p.m. We have the Flyers and the Penguins squaring off in the first exhibition matchup. And, I mean, hockey, is, it's, it's the sport that we love. I know that we've been talking about it. We've been excited for it. They've been on the right track regarding the hub cities and all the COVID tests and and I know before we dive too deep into it, you have a story you want to get to, but I'm just, I'm amped up. I'm ready to go. Well, yeah, I woke up this morning at like seven o'clock and I couldn't sleep. Don't know why. My body was probably telling me, get ready for hockey, you know, yep. wake up. All right. So I show up to hockey the other day. We're 3-0 in the season. I just started with this team. I'm a goalie and I'm sitting down getting dressed. And one of my players comes up to me and goes here and just drops a case of Bud Light. And I'm like, what's this for? What is this? And he goes, oh yeah, I don't pack check. So here you go. It was very much appreciated. He doesn't back check. He wasn't lying, but, you know, I shut the door and that got done. But that was, like, that was probably one of the coolest things that ever happened to me in hockey. So, yeah, it was definitely a great start to my night yesterday. I mean, forget the fact he doesn't back check. Just he's going to give you some free Bud Light right there. What a guy. What a stud. Huh? Well, he just yeah. set a standard because if other people aren't back checking, I'm going to collect a, a shit ton of uh, alcohol. So <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. I mean, a little humble brag there, 3-0. Oh, yeah, yeah, big goaltender guy over here. But, I mean, hockey is definitely back today. Obviously, your little Bud Light will be drunk today at, at 4 p.m. watching the Flyers and Penguins play. And, you know, kicking things off, Max Pacioretty with, for the Vegas Golden Knights will not be traveling with the team to Edmonton uh, to play in these exhibition and playoff games, at least as of now. Head coach Pete DeBoer and the Golden Knights announced that he's been injured since training camp. They thought he would be able to practice and get back on the ice, but that's not the case. And that, that's a hefty loss for a team that, is eyeing that Western Conference final and potentially another Stanley Cup run their second in three years. Yeah, so Pacioretty is a bigger piece of the offense than I think most people think. He had 32 goals, 34 assists. He was our leading goal scorer. And you look at their stats in the year, 3.15 goals per game for Vegas, and they allowed 2.94. And this has been a a weird year for Marc-Andre Fleury. He's got a 2.77 goals against and a 9.05 save. And that's not Fleury's standard. Yes, they have Leonard who shut the door. When he came to Vegas, I'm pretty sure he went 3-0. He did very well for himself. But the problem here is you're now taking away your top scorer for the foreseeable future. You have no idea how long he's going to be out. Fleury hasn't been in his best. Clearly, this is a team that allows a lot of goals. Like, you know, 2.94 and 3.15 is not that big of a difference when you think about it. And especially in playoffs, offense is so hard to come by. You just lost your top offensive player. This is big. It is. It's a big loss, especially since up front, you know, they, they are deep. But Max Pacioretty is kind of irreplaceable. His shot is lethal, and he fits alongside Marchessault and William Carlson so well. And he's able to jump around the top six. You know, he can play first-line minutes. If you need somebody to step down, he's willing to do it. He's a veteran. He accepts that role. He knows that his job is to produce wherever he's plays. So that, that's a big loss, not only on the ice, but in the locker room as well. And you, you mentioned that they allow 2.94 goals per game. But, I mean, that was also only three games of Robin Leonard. So Robin Leonard was dominant in his three games. He said he went 3-0. and and he, he is going to be somebody that comes in and can help solidify that back end. Obviously, if Flurry struggles at all, I think you see him right away. The, the Golden Knights have the luxury now of playing the round robin before and they get a full best of seven, so they don't have to rush and panic right away. But I think that Robin Leonard coming in makes Flurry play better and vice versa, and the, that competition's healthy. So that goals against will go down. The natural competition of the playoffs will help decrease that as well. Uh, but definitely losing any type of offensive contribution in the playoffs when the games are more naturally low scoring as it is, that that's going to be tough for, for Vegas to replace. For sure. And I mean, since we're talking about the injuries, you might as well talk about Samsonov on the Capitals right yep. now. This rookie has been unbelievable this year. 16-6-2, 2.55 goals against average, 9-13 seat percentage. And without him, I don't know where this Capitals team is going to sit because, yes, you see that they're in the round robin, but – all-star 
in quotes, Braden Hopi, because in oh, no really? way in hell, I mean, this is BS, Brendan. If we want to talk about BS, no way. I think fans should not be allowed to vote just because this happens. Yes, the John Scott thing that happened, legend. That was great. And yeah, if that wouldn't happen, if fans couldn't vote. But Hopi's got a 3.11 goals against average, 897 save. Those are career worst. Those are terrible. And he is so lucky that he has such an offensive team around him because, I mean, Hopi's in a contract here. And now you look at it as if Hopi played bad, you have the confidence in the world to put Samson up in that position. Now you don't have Samson up. Now you have Phoenix Copley, who's been playing in the NHL this season. He hasn't played one NHL game this year. Could he do well? Yeah, sure. But the Capitals are going to rely on Hopi. And if Hopi doesn't play to the level we've seen Hopi play in the past in the playoffs, this team's in a lot of trouble because, yes, their defense is good. They have a strong team like always. But, I mean, we saw how big Hopi was when they won the cup, the, yep. the big save, that you know, that diving stick save that, you know, that's an unreal, that's a top save of all time in the NHL playoffs, especially the Stanley Cups. But if you don't have that guy this year and you have this Hopi that's allowing 3.11 goals against, it's going to be a tough round, Robin, for this Capitals team. And then, I mean, I could see them if he doesn't play well. He, he could be the bottom team and then, you know, it goes from there. But definitely not a good sign, especially that, you know, it's not COVID-related. They specifically said that. But goalies with injuries, you got to get back into the swing of things in practice. And that stuff's limited now inside of bubble and, you know, with the scheduling. Exactly. And like you said about Phoenix Copley, he, he was relegated at points to number two role in AHL uh, for the Hershey Bears. And they, I think he split time and his numbers were pretty solid down there. But at the same time, AHL and NHL, that jumps huge. And especially coming into that jump after a four-month hiatus where nobody's playing hockey. And now all of a sudden you're going to be burst into the spotlight if Hopi does struggle. And Hopi's numbers, man, I, I mean, first of all, this is a guy that throughout his career – he allows some soft goals, but he's been very solid. His numbers prove that. His playoff numbers are outstanding. So you think you want to give him the benefit of the doubt that he will turn it around. I mean, he doesn't have to be Vesna caliber. I mean, this team is loaded. So he just got to put up similar numbers to Samsonov. But at the same time, I mean, his numbers are worse than Henrik Lundqvist, who's being absolutely like crapped on in New York from the media and fans. Like, oh, look at him. He's struggling. He's old. And Holpe is just sitting here abysmal season. So, I mean, he's along similar lines with Devin Dubnik, where if they can turn around, their teams will be huge. But Ilya Samsonov in his first year made a huge impact for Washington, definitely settled them down. They have a Russian connection there, him Ovechkin, Kuznetsov's on that team too. And you could see he felt comfortable. And without him, Holpe's going to have to be huge. Well, with what it's going to come down to first of it's, it's going to come down to timely saves. This whole playoffs is going to be determined on time. It doesn't matter what – it really doesn't matter what you did in the regular season. It doesn't matter what you did a year ago. It doesn't matter what you did in your NHL career. It's a complete different ball game, different atmosphere, you know, different ice than you're used to playing on because obviously mm-hmm. the Capitals like to play on their home ice, obviously in front of their crowd. That's not going to happen. But we talked about this in past episodes and even just in person. Goaltending is such a mental game. Yep. And you know Hope – it's not like Hopey's skill just went away. I know there was a stretch where he allowed six-plus goals over an extended period of time, and that's – that's not the skill. Hoping didn't just lose his ability to stop a puck. It's all because it's the mental thought and the mental game. And, you know, as a goalie, you go into a game, you have a, a way of thinking when you go into a game. All right. I know Marty Birona, we talked about his success, came when he would just say, all right, let's make the next save. Let's make the next save. He said, when you think like that during a game, chances are you're going to win that game. And you're going to go and go, damn, I need to make the next save. Saying that you need to make the next save, that's, that's just added mental pressure instead of saying, I'm going to make the next save. My dad taught me this lesson when I was really young is when your body, when you're talking to yourself in your head and you say the words, don't do this, or your brain cancels out the don't. So if you say, you know, stuff like that, where you say, I'm not going to let it go, stuff like that, it takes out those words and it's going to let it go and your mental changes the way you play and all that stuff. So I think for Hopi, this off time should work out for him. Same way we'll talk about Thomas Grison a little bit with the Islanders. He struggled. He was terrible the second half. He couldn't stop the beach ball. But the whole mental thing is you got to break now. You're coming back into it. Hope he's got to be hopeful or this Capitals team is in a lot of trouble. Definitely. Now you go up to something a little more upbeat and positive rather than the struggling Hopi, but now you move into the Seattle Kraken. Obviously the long-awaited announcement of the team name and a little bit of a mixed reaction on social media. I know some people wanted Metropolitan and some people wanted other things, but coming up with a team name is a very difficult procedure. Obviously you can't have anything that's already in the state, but any college level, you don't want to be a copycat and I think they came up with a very original name logos I, I like their jerseys people were kind of iffy on it but I think that once they step on the ice it's going to pop with the color scheme so I was a fan and I think that it, it was definitely 
the S with the little I in it. I, I like the needle and the anchor on the shoulder patch, and that'll wind up being their third, I think, jersey logo too. So I think overall the Seattle team did very well. When Vegas announced their team, you know, I was watching the, the video when it was coming out. I'm like, okay, let's see what this is. I heard Vegas Golden Knights was – or maybe that wasn't even possible. I don't remember, but I thought it maybe Sandstorm. It was going to be something cool. And then I heard Golden Knights, and I thought, wow, this is actually terrible. I'm going to hate this team. Their logo is terrible. They suck. I love Vegas now. I think it's awesome what they did. But I got to give credit to the media group and campaigning group for this Seattle Kraken team because not only was their hype video – it hyped everybody up. That was awesome to see. But it just shows the connection with Seattle to the sea. I mean, SEA is in the name Seattle. If people yep. don't understand that now, now you know. Fun fact. Um, but they're built by the sea. And I think not going with the Kraken in the jersey was a smart move because, you know, Kraken, it's a mythological creature. It could be cartoonish. You know, there's different ways of interpreting it. But I think they went with a clean look. It's a solid look. And it's, it's just not too much. It's not flashy. It's not it's not something that's going to stand out for a negative thing. So I think going with the S, you said it has the I in it. It's got a tentacle in it. You know, it's, it's, it's just a perfect thing. And I think the colors are going to, like you said, you got to see it on the ice. I mean, you could look at all these concept jerseys and you go, okay. But until you see a player in that with the glove, I mean, the gloves look sick. The gloves are you're talking about. And you wouldn't think, you wouldn't think red, what, what colors do they call it? Ocean blue or teal, whatever the color is, what they said, but whatever. It, it doesn't look like it's yeah. <laughs> It's blue. It's a shade of blue, but you wouldn't think those colors would go together. But I really do feel once they get out there, I can't wait to see what a, a goalie helmet's going to look like for whatever goalie's wearing it. I mean, yep. they can go so many ways. And speaking of the Metropolitans, you know, Seattle hockey, people don't know that hockey had, people didn't know that Seattle had hockey at yep. all. 19, I think 17. They were part of, they've been in the league forever. They were in the WHA, you know, different leagues, the P, some Pacific League that no one ever cared about. But they were involved in hockey, and a lot of people that still live in Seattle remember those days, not the ones in 1917, because sadly they're probably no longer with us. But, you know, it's a big thing for this city, and I think, you know, joining the West is perfect for them. They're going to move Arizona Coyotes to the Central. But I think I'm definitely more excited now than I was for Vegas. And, I again, just I look at all they're doing on social media. I think this group that they hired to, to run that campaign, I mean, they got season tickets like Vegas did. They sold yep. – X amount of tickets. People are ready. They're going to have a brand new Amazon eco-friendly arena. So I think this is, this is perfect to add for our 32nd NHL team. Yeah, I mean, they're following the, the Vegas blueprint, if you will, because Vegas, what they did was they took that team and obviously the shooting helped amp up the, uh, the prospect of, wow, this team's going to be playing now. And they did that whole beautiful ceremony and opening night and then they wound up trouncing the coyotes which really helped boost morale there and went on that of course stanley cup run but vegas took social media and they used it to their advantage obviously you have some of the original six teams and the older teams they try to be more professional and more just post what happens and not you know nothing at people like tampa bay likes to go at teams vegas does it too and they were chirping teams on social media. They obviously had that whole Golden Knights celebration, and they had the night slashing the opponent before every single playoff game. So I think Seattle's going to go along something similar to that. Obviously, you have the Kraken, so you have a natural logo and mascot right there. Um, I like what you said, too, not putting the actual Kraken on the jersey. It does look cartoonish and almost like you're creating a my team in NHL 20. <laughs> but um, So good for them on that. And Everything I think came out nice. Those Seattle's always had great color schemes. You look at the basketball team and the Supersonics. You look at the Seattle Seahawks when they come out with alternate jerseys. The Mariners, the, the Mariners colors. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The the blue and teal green, it, it, they pop. And you put that on the ice, and we know you know the steez, if you will, that all these NHL players are going to have coming over there. Same thing with Vegas that came with the jersey tuck. You see Leonard's pads as soon as he gets traded, like they're gorgeous. So I can't wait to see how players customize their own stuff. But Seattle did good here. And obviously Arizona moving to the Central is a topic we'll discuss when it starts to happen and when it becomes a reality and they actually shift divisions. But they're going to be in for a tough, tough pass <laughs> taking on that division because oh, yeah. Pacific compared to the Central is not as you know competitive, if you will. But uh, that, that's, that's tough if you're a tough pill to swallow for the Coyotes. But they're going to have to do it and they'll be fine with it perfect transition brendan because yep. the coyotes it's not been a great last you know three or four days for them uh i don't know what to make of this john chica i think he's 31 years old general manager one of the youngest in the league if not the youngest to the guy up north but 
he's out as the Arizona Coyotes general manager 48 hours before they leave for Edmonton. I mean, if that's not an FU, I don't know what is. We yep. do not have all the information. We will never get all the information about what happens behind the scenes. But apparently, Meruelo, who is the owner, one of the owners, talked to Gary Bettman on getting Chaika out. And whatever the reason was, he said that it had to be done. There was no way to fix it. Steve Sullivan takes over. He's a former NHL. He's now the interim general manager. I think he'll take over as the regular GM. Chaika had great words about him and his leadership ability and his hockey knowledge and all that kind of stuff. But I wrote an article this past week about how this is huge for the Arizona Coyotes in a good way. And I'll tell you why, why real quick is anytime a team goes through something like this, not like Vegas with the shooting or anything traumatic, but you look at the Dallas Stars a couple of years ago, they're um, Jim Lights. Now, he's not their owner. He's, I'm pretty sure, the team president. He called Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan pretty much crap in a news article. And he used different words, which I'm not going to use now, so we'll keep it PG-13. But they responded very well. Not only did that team turn around, but they made it to the playoffs. And they, I think they won in seven games in the first round, lost to the going on to the Stanley Cup champion, St. Louis Blues. So it must have been last year that they did this. I mean, if that's not a big F you to the players that you don't believe in them, even if Chaika did believe in them, and he's not going to say he didn't, that's not why he left. Arizona has so much to prove now going, all right, Chaika, you just left us. Watch what we're going to do now. I mean, they're going, to get, they're going against the perfect team for this to happen to because the Nashville Predators have been abysmal. They're not anywhere without Roman Yossi, who had an unbelievable season given the fact that the offense was not even there. Rene was terrible. So... I think this bodes well for Arizona. I think they're really going to shock some some people, especially Trika, when they head to the when the qualifiers begin. Yeah, and I'd, I'd like them to come out of the first round because of the goaltending, obviously. I, I think that Rene struggled this year. But the most interesting thing about this whole situation and how it played out is that you had the Coyotes release a team statement that basically said they were mad at Trika for leaving and disappointed in his actions and blah, blah, blah. And then you had Trika release his statement saying the exact opposite and saying how it was the Coyotes and how he's disappointed with how they handle things. So it's obvious that it was a beef between the GM and ownership group. And it, to me, it's just, I, I was always taught don't quit anything at the end of the year, you resolve it. I have a hard time understanding how after four months you choose to leave right before the playoffs. Like everybody that loves hockey is excited right now, at least tough it out for another two months. There's, there's no moves you could possibly make right now. You know, as a GM, you have your team. You, you can't make any trades. You can't sign anybody. It, you're set. Just go there, enjoy hockey, enjoy the ride that nobody knows is going to happen in the COVID Cup, if you will, and, and have fun with it. And then at the end of the year, if you're really that disappointed, you leave. But to do it right now, it's definitely interesting. I don't know if I agree, but obviously something had to go on that he believed was serious enough to sever his relationship with the team and he's young enough where he'll get another chance obviously he, he built an Arizona team they haven't won anything but they've been competitive in a, the smallest market if you will in hockey so he knows what he's doing he's got the analytics side to him he's not fully analytics he knows the game as well and I think he'll be fine but definitely a very intriguing scenario playing out there see the question now becomes I mean the biggest thing for Arizona in this offseason is do you do you bring back Taylor Hall that's the biggest thing. Just or just not even that. Just Taylor Hall want to stay. Want to come back. Yeah. That's the thing, and you know that's gonna kind of come from what happens now. Yes, I don't know if Taylor Hall is gonna base it. We'll see what happens if he plays really well. The team doesn't win. You know, we've seen Taylor Hall in the past play absolutely lights out, but it never wins, or he plays terrible in the team. Like it's never been a good relationship in the NHL with Taylor Hall and any team he's been on. I mean, he had. A, I mean, Devils. I mean, he yep. had an unreal season with the Devils. They played well, but besides that, I mean, Edmonton. He didn't do much. He comes to Arizona and they play worse. So I don't, I don't know what the problem is, but do you think that you think he resigns? I mean, we're on the, we're, we might as well talk about it. Yeah, I mean, there, there's two aspects I think that have to go into play here. Obviously there's a new GM. So if Steve Sullivan gets hired and first of all, they might have a great relationship. He's a former NHL or he knows how to talk to NHL players. So if they have a good relationship, that bodes well for the coyotes. But if, they don't make any type of move to clear up cap. Because remember, now it's a flat cap for a couple of years due to what's happened with COVID-19. So if they don't make any roster changes or make a trade to free up the space to sign him, because he's going to command a lot of money, he's going to get it somewhere. Then I think Hall leaves. But I think if they show the, you know, the courage and the ability to maneuver their roster a little bit, because you're going to have to trade somebody like a step-on. It's not going to be a, a low-rent guy. And Hall's going to look at that and say, all right, this team's dedicated to me. They want me here. 
And they got the foundation for a solid team to build. So Hall keeping and staying there is, is going to help them. So I, I think that he might stay in that regard. But everything's going to have to work out perfectly for him to stay. I think we could see him go off in this year's playoffs and something like Duchesne, yep. something like that, where he gets a hefty contract. And I mean, Duchesne was terrible. I mean, they, Duchesne was terrible, but the fact was the team that he had, like, not that he had was terrible, just everyone was bad. It's not like you could blame Duchesne, even though, you know, you expect a lot more from a guy coming off what he did in the playoffs last year than getting a hefty contract. But you look at this team. If you have Taylor Hall on your left wing and Phil Kessel on your right, I don't know if they played together throughout the year. I'm not sure if they did, but. I mean, those are two unreal elite scores in this yep. NHL. You should have no problem being competitive. And then you have Oliver Lexman-Larsen, and you said the great goaltending. So this is a team that, you know, people don't want to give a lot of credit because they're in the desert. They don't have fans, blah, blah, blah. You know what? Florida Panthers are in the playoffs. They have no fans. They have good off. Their offense is great. The offense is going to probably be the reason if they do win this series against the Islanders, that's going to be it because Bobrovsky hasn't been good. But you look, you look at it, it's just like this Arizona Coyotes team is going is very lucky with who they're up against. Uh, this is the, I mean, yes, Nashville could turn it on. Pecorino could be Vesna Pecorino, and that whole team could find a way to score and just figure it out. But, I mean, Arizona, everything that's gone on with them, I think it's, it's more positive for their outcome in the qualifiers and going the distance in the playoffs. But now let's talk. Every team's in the bubble now, right? You got all the teams set up and looking and see what's going on with baseball. And I just got an alert that they did more tests, um, latest round of tests with Marlins. The Marlins had 11 people test positive and two, two coaches. And now that total is up to 17. Yep. And we saw baseball get canceled. Yankees, Phillies canceled again for second straight day. I know it's a hockey podcast. It relates. Just wait. Yankees, Phillies, back-to-back days canceled because the Phillies played the Marlins, so now we're waiting for tests. But you look at it as Matt Martin was interviewing the Islanders, and they were talking about baseball and said, do you have any concerns? And he said, listen, we're being compared to the NBA, not the MLB, because the NBA is in a bubble. And yep. while the NBA has had some issues because people leaving the bubble, going to strip clubs, whatever, it happens, I guess. But the NBA did their testing, and two out of 322 people tested positive. That's at 0.62%. You'll take that. And, Brendan, if you want to get into, you know, the tests that happened in the NHL this week. Yeah, so first, you know what's BS, Stefan? Because this what? is the BS Sports Show. How the MLB decided that this was the way their season was going to go. Traveling city to city. You know, people are not in hotels or locked away. They're going back to their homes when they're – like the whole thing was a recipe for it unraveling. So now we're watching this unfold right in front of us. But the NHL, on the other hand, looks – the league that so many of us rip on all the time for saying they don't know how to market. They don't know how to do this. They look like they got it under control right now out of all the four sports, the best. And they had two positive tests in the first week of phase three. And then the week leading up to the teams going to the hub cities, zero positive tests out of the 800 players, over 4,000 tests were administered, zero positives. And guess what, NBA, your 0.62% will see you and raise you to 0.000 because that's what the NHL's got right now. And first of all, to have that going into the bubble, beautiful, because now they're not leaving. And Ryan Strom, similar to Matt Martin, said, we don't have concerns really because you see what just happened with these negative tests. They're all negative. And now all I know for the Rangers, he said that they're going to be smart. They're not going to leave and go outside the bubble. And if everybody does that, there's just no way that they can get coronavirus. And you, you saw them arrive. Everybody's leaving the airplane with a mask on. I know that they walked into the facilities with masks on as well. They have health check stations that are not manned by people. They're automated so that it's the players doing it themselves. I mean, the NHL really has this down and what looks to be to a science. And, you know, I'm knocking on wood because I don't want anything to happen, but they've, they've done a phenomenal job so far. I'm probably going to get ripped for this, but I, I could give, uh, you know what? Yep. Hockey players aren't selfish. You look They're at the not. NBA, you look at, okay, let's just go to the salary for a, a second. In basketball, they get paid a lot more money than any NHL player. Their social life on Twitter, I mean, they, they are more about how do I look? What's my image? I forgot which NHL player said something. You know, some retired player. What? No, Vladimir Tarasenko. No, no, no. I was referring to the one that um, talked about where he goes. He goes, NBA players were concerned about having sex. That was their problem in the bubble. Oh, and Tyler Tom, Kennedy. Tyler Kennedy, who was a teammate with Sidney Crosby in Pittsburgh. He played for a few other teams like the Islanders. Goes, I guarantee you right now, Crosby 
care less about that and more about winning a championship and you know stuff explored on social media how you know we're not going to get into all that but so basketball players are selfish in that regard hockey players play for one another it's a tight-knit group they're not going to leave the hub they're not going to leave the bubble they have no reason to they're going there for one reason and one reason only and that's to win a stanley cup they don't have to go anywhere to a strip club like we saw lou williams do in the nba and he comes back and now he's got a quarantine for days he doesn't have the virus but he has to quarantine which means now the clippers are missing a good score for them. So I think that it's just mind boggling how you're getting your, this is a job, right? This is a job. Yep. You are a paid professional athlete. It's not about, Oh no, I can't go and do things. No, you are going there for one reason only and it's to win. So I don't understand why you, yes, personal matters, different story. That's fine. That happens. You have to do someone dies. Yeah. You're going to a funeral. You have a great, you come back, you have to quarantine. I'm not going to shit on you for that. I'm going to shit on you. If you do something stupid, that's going to, hurt your team. If Sidney Crosby goes out and goes, Oh yeah, that, that place looks nice. I'm going to leave the bubble to go do that and hang out with somebody. Come back. You don't even have the virus. It's just that you, once you lead your quarantine, you tell me Pittsburgh Penguins, his teammates are not getting pissed. If I'm the Clippers teammates and I saw Lou Williams do that, I would say, are you out of your mind? This is not a joke. I, I don't know why people think it's a joke. Yeah. Freddie Freeman in baseball. I, I know again, hockey pad, I guess I know, but it relates. So just give me a second. Freddie Freeman tested 104.5 temperature in baseball. This is, this is an athlete who, where they say athletes don't get hit hard by this virus. Everyone's asymptomatic. He prayed before he went to sleep because he was terrified he was not going to wake up. You think he's going to leave? If they had a bubble in baseball, that he would ever dare leave? You think he's not advocating for people to stay? If you look at him. You look at what just happened to him, an athlete. You're not going to tell me other athletes don't go, wow, that's how it hit him. And he's an athlete, great shape, whatever not old at all. He's, he's back playing, but he could have died. That's the that moral of the story is he could have died. Forget about winning a Stanley cup. You could have lost your, a, a friend, a teammate, a family member for doing something that stupid. Let, he didn't even leave. He just got it. He didn't go out and do anything. He, this is just happening from being around, you know, going from your car, wearing a mask. Like this guy did all the right things and still got it. So why would you ever put your team, your life in jeopardy, let alone your team? Because I'm telling you right now, if I'm a player on a team, my teammate goes, yo, I'm going to go out. I'll be back. First of all, I'm not letting him leave. Technically, the team's not going to let him leave. You're going to sit down and go, listen, you don't want to do that. And two, I would just lose complete respect for you as an individual and an athlete because you're doing the wrong thing. For Again, look at zero tests, zero. That's because they all said, we know why we're here. We're here for one reason. Let's not be yep. stupid. Sorry for my rant. Go. No, but you're 100% right. And I mean, even the contrast between what they're going to, right? Obviously, the NBA goes, to, they're in Disney World. Okay, it's every kid's dream to go to Disney World. And they're, they're going there. Rajon Rondo immediately puts on his Instagram story, this is what we're staying in. It's a $450 a night hotel, buddy. I'd love to stay there. I mean, I know all the people that lost their jobs because of COVID would love to stay there. And then you look at the contrast and Vladimir Tarasenko goes, I just want to play hockey. I'll sleep on a cot for all I care. I mean, there's a difference between playing for money and playing for a love of the sport. And NHL players consistently play for the love of the game. And it just, it shows itself. Like I know that everybody goes, Oh, this is why hockey fans are so they, they suck and they're always going out of their sports, but it's just, it's a level of disrespect. Like you said, when they're complaining about their facilities that are gorgeous, I mean, sure. They might not be your multi-million dollar LA home, but I mean, we're all struggling right now. You could sleep in a, in a beautiful bed right now with the room by yourself. And then you got NHL guys that go, just put, put skates on and lock me in a bubble. I don't care. I'll play. And it's, that's why that they're at this level that they're at right now. And I can tell you for, with the utmost certainty that if an outbreak does happen in the NHL, I don't think it'll be because, because a player does something stupid. I think it'll be a staff member that's working the game unknowingly contracted it and winds up spreading it that way, which always is a possibility. But I mean, the NHL just got it that the players want to play. The league wants the games to happen and, and they've buckled down. They were the first league to have, like 15 positive tests. Like they look the worst going into it. The MLB didn't have any, the NBA didn't have any. And now the roles are kind of reversing. The MLB skyrocketing the NHL as they realize how serious it is. They're plummeting. It's also kudos to Canada because I don't think they got enough credit for what they did off the bat. When this virus started, they shut down their borders. They made anyone that came in quarantine for 14 days. They weren't even going to let Toronto be a hub city. This is hockey central. And Canada was like, that's not happening unless it's safe. They waited. They, they, it was supposed to be Vegas and Columbus. That's what I heard off the bat. It was going to be Vegas, Columbus. That seemed like that was what it was going to be the whole time until Canada said, 
All right, now you guys can come in quarantining. Gary Bettman and Daly aren't going to the qualifier, the games, because they're not allowed in Canada because they would have to quarantine in 14 days. Your commissioner and deputy commissioner are going to watch from their couches because they're not allowed in the country for the sport that they control and made this all happen. So I think kudos to NHL, kudos to Canada getting this all done and this is why hockey is going we're going it's going to be great hockey to watch because these players are in shape and again they care about winning. You look mm-hmm. at the NBA, I'm not, I mean I'm not trying to knock our NBA fans that listen to us, you know. It's a, it's a great sport, but I just think that there's a, a sense of there's a sense of just moral things you need to consider when doing this. I know Kyrie Irving didn't want to play. This guy's been hurt all year, doesn't want to play in the bubble. Selfish reasons? Yeah, probably. He doesn't want to play because he doesn't want to travel and be stuck in a bubble and can't do what he wants to do. Before we move on, I'll give Kyrie Irving a little bump here because he did donate $1.5 million to the WNBA to pay their salaries. So kudos to them for that. Obviously, there's a lot of drama that goes on with him. I don't know how you think the earth's flat with all the images we have nowadays. But, (laughs) I, I mean, he's done good things, and obviously he's done questionable, but it's just... The NBA builds the personal image a lot more. Obviously, Michael Jordan started that releasing his shoes, and now these guys sign shoe deals. So playing in the NBA does come with more of a you know, big persona than hockey. Hockey's a 20-man team sport. The NBA's only got 12 players, usually seven or eight play. And if you're a star, you're, you're big. So it, it's different mindsets, and that's why I love the NHL because if, if the guy sitting next to me who's a fourth liner doesn't do his role and contribute, then me being the first liner – won't be able to have success. And, and I think that's what makes it completely unique. And another thing that's going to be unique about the NHL is their arena setup for this, uh, this qualifying round and, you know, the, the playoffs and the hub cities. And we're going to see it today with the exhibition games. I don't know if it'll be in full force, but it's going to be fun to watch. And they're using audio, video, and lighting to make it more relatable for the viewers at home. Obviously, we've seen the MLB put cutouts and digital fans in the crowd, but the NHL said, no, no, we're not doing that. We're going to put LED screens and monitors all around with the team's logos who are playing in that game. The lights are going to be rotating for who's playing. They're going to have stages around the ice, obviously, with stuff on it to make it more appealing to the viewers at home. They're using the goal songs, the audio from the teams that are playing in the game. So if the Rangers score, you're going to hear their goal song. Islanders score, it's their goal song. They're going to have playlists that you hear when you go to the game, so it's going to be familiar. I mean, they, they look like they have it down. Their fans created hype videos and chants. I mean, they have everything. And for me, they're going to do EA Sports crowd noise, <laughs> which they better use playoff mode for the crowd noise because other than that, it's like a quiet hum. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm excited for this. I know that thing that gets me most excited besides the microphones on the ice, which, you know, that's going to be cool minus the five second delay like come on give me a tv ma channel so i can listen to it but 32 cameras instead of 20 so i I know that for me watching hockey the last couple of years they introduced the camera angle that was in the boards almost behind the net so you could see point shots come in directly and as a defenseman that was awesome you know you see how these guys wind up maneuver around the shot blocking lanes now they're adding 12 more cameras so like we're going to be watching games basically on the ice and i'm amped for that it's going to be awesome you know what I'm amped for? I'm amped to see what happens when a ref makes a call and they better have boo crowd noises because if the refs, <laughs> if the refs thinks they're getting off scot-free, yep. which they wouldn't because now we're going to hear players cursing at them, which is going to be lovely. <laughs> but I better hear boos because you saw in baseball, which, what they're doing is if, if something it's happens a where call. a co- close call or whatever, the crowd goes boo. You know, it's great. I and love that. That just keeps it. It's just like, like you're there. And obviously, yep. we're not going to be there. And I think what they're doing with the screens, everything cool, the EA Sports crowd, hopefully you could hear like the towels whip maybe. you know. In the, mm-hmm. Well, the good news is that there won't be crowds because you know in the video game, when you play playoff mode, you can't see the puck behind the neck because everyone's standing up, which yep. just gets me tight. But you know, that's, that's the story for the day. NHL, EA Sports got me tight this past week because I, <laughs> I, I did a tournament with the Islanders. They had a tournament, right? And I'm, I'm pretty good at the game. And I'm playing the first game. And it's okay, after you play the game, they match you up. You type in your scores. The amount of cheating I saw in an NHL tournament, not even for money, it's for prizes. The amount of cheating I saw, people lied about the scores. Happened to me twice. It, whatever. I don't even want to talk about it. I have PTSD yep. from it. It's not good. Let's, let's yeah, get to something if- that we're really excited for, which is tomorrow night, Islanders-Rangers exhibition. And it's going to be different than usual because, you know, anytime a game doesn't count, we see it in preseason games. You know, no one's going to full-on 
deck somebody. No one's going mean, to maybe drop the gloves for fun. But again, I don't even know. They don't want to do that. You know, that's not going to happen. But hockey's right. definitely be back. It, you know, it, it could. Let's see who pisses who off. But I mean, for the Islanders' point of view, because obviously I cover the Islanders, Barry Trotz is still trying to decide on which goaltender he's going to start against Florida. And both Varlamov and Grice have had success against Florida throughout their careers. Grice had a terrible second half, but again, it doesn't matter what you did. It matters what you do. Mm-hmm. So he's close to making a decision, and he said that in this game, they're both going to get playing time. And he also said that just because, let's say, Grice goes off and he, has an, he plays a lot better than Varlamov in this game. It does not necessarily mean that's who he's going to go with. So I think on the Islanders thing, this is why I'm going to be paying attention to closely in this game. The goaltending, see how you know, rebound control is the biggest thing because when you're away from the game for that long, it's all about timing. The other thing I'm going to look for is the Islanders finally have a fourth line healthy. And yes, Pelik's back. I want to see how he does back. But this fourth line has been such a big momentum boost for this team and the reason for their success. I mean, this franchise was in turmoil in the early 2000s. They were terrible. And, you know, as I got older, they got, got better. So maybe yep. I gave them good luck, whatever the case may be. But this fourth line of Matt Martin, Casey Zekas, and Cal Clutterbuck have not played together at all this season. They've all been hurt. Martin missed maybe a week. But Clutterbuck got a skate cut. Zekas got a, a skate cut. I mean, it's, it was bad. They were both out. They were out long-term. And I think this team, like you said, you said in the, earlier, you said, if I'm sitting on the bench and my fourth liner's next to me, he doesn't do his job. My first line doesn't – you know, it, it all – evens each other out. So I think seeing how this fourth line does, because these players, Casey Zekas is the best player on this line. Obviously we saw what he did. He had an unbelievable season last year when he was gone, Matt Martin and Clutterbuck, Matt Martin's a hitter. We saw his stats decrease this year, though. He didn't play great. Cal Clutterbuck didn't really play that much, but he didn't do much. But when together, this line is a complete unit that you could throw out against a Crosby, a McDavid, a McKinnon, a Pasternak. This is a line that goes out there after the Islanders give up a goal. They go out there to start the game. They set the tone, and I'm really interested to see how they, how they, what they do first game back in a long time being together. Yep. And before I get into the Rangers side of this uh, exhibition matchup, I do want to plug. Me and Stefan will be writing a article on Puck Pros about this exhibition game and how the Rangers and Islanders are going to be looking and preparing for their upcoming matchup. We also will be recording the game live. On Zoom. It won't be live, excuse me. We'll be recording our reactions to the game. We'll watch together. We'll talk hockey. And, you know, Brennan has a way with words when he's watching Rangers hockey. And I've seen it over the last four years of college. But I'm excited to see what explicits he drops now. It's always a new one each time. Yes, our Zoom call, like the NHL, will be on a five-second delay. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, for the Rangers, everything that they've done so far in training camp has been kind of close-knit. They keep it close to the vest. They don't want to announce who's going to be starting. I've, I expect them to split, but I wouldn't be surprised if they let Igor or Lundqvist, who they determine to start, is going to go the whole 60 minutes and just see what they have and give them the best preparation possible. Uh, the other thing I'm interested to see is the lines. I, I know that Brendan Lemieux suspended two games. Um, his absence on the fourth line is going to be felt. He's a physical presence, especially in a playoff game. But I, I want to see how McKegg fits in, where they slot Jesper Faust. I think he might move up to the second line where they put Godier and, and all these younger guys and how it in, how they fit them in. Does Edel, I think Edel and um, Capo Caco might be playing alongside Philip DiGiuseppe, who's played for Carolina last year. He's a veteran, so that might work. It's going to be interesting to see how their bottom six winds up shaping up for these uh, for this upcoming qualifying round. So I want to see what Quinn puts out there, because obviously with one exhibition game, it's going to be as real as you're going to get to that qualifying game. And uh, for me, I think Igor is going to get the start. I wouldn't be surprised if Lundqvist comes in the second 30 minutes, but I think that Igor is going to end up starting against Carolina as well. And and Quinn has leaned towards that in practices, putting Igor in one net and letting Hank and Georgiev split the other net. But it's going to be interesting. I mean, they obviously have three goalies that can play if need be. I think very few teams have that. And they have that advantage, but the way Georgiev played and the way the Rangers played in front of him, I think you have to let him be that guy. And you should get the start tomorrow against the Islanders. When talking about which New York team is going to have more success, um, Molly Walker, who's a writer for the New York Post, does a tremendous job. She's up and coming. She was on the fan and um, – JJ on the fan asked her, which, you know, which New York team do you think is going to have more success? And she made a very good point. This will be the last thing before we get to our great interview we have coming up with Jameson Coyle. She said the Rangers, because there is zero expectations. You know, look at the Islanders team each year. They've been trying to improve because 
that, you know, this is on a team that's trying to turn around past history. That's been really, really bad for this franchise. And we're in like the glory stage right now with them watching them improve. And this season was mediocre at best, given that they had a 10 game win streak, 17 game point streak. But besides that, it was, it was not good for the Rangers. They start off really slow. They turn it up at the end of the year. They make the playoffs given that it's expanded. But if they lose in the first round, this wasn't, this wasn't a team that was expected to do anything. This is a brand new young team. What are they? The second youngest in the league. They're the second youngest in the qualifying round, at oh, least. Excuse uh, me, qualifying, yes. Yeah, they're at 25.7 there. So Chicago's the youngest at 25.6, so they're really tied. But at the same time, if you took away Lundqvist and Stahl's age, this team's age drops down probably below 24. So, I mean, once next year ends and the contracts of Henrik Lundqvist and Mark Stahl come off the books, you're looking at a team that's extremely young and talented now. And I agree with what you said because, obviously, expectations play a role. I think that every team, though, going into this has expectations because it's been gone for so long, the sport, that all fans want to see a couple of wins. So it's not a typical playoffs, but she is correct. And, I mean, at the same time, I look at this as a Rangers fan. It's a win-win, right? They either win they either win and go on or they lose. They have a chance at the first pick, and you're giving all these young guys experience in the playoffs. And you can't put a price tag on that. And tomorrow night, man, it's going to be fun to see. But without further ado, we got a great interview now with Jameson Coyle of the NHL Network. So today on BS Sports Show, we have Jameson Coyle of the NHL Network as our special guest. Mr. Coyle, it's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you for joining us. Guys, it's a pleasure to be here, ready to talk some hockey. So first off, you know, this is unprecedented times, and obviously you can't be in the studio. So besides doing shows from home, what have you really done to keep busy? Whew. Um, kids, as you can see behind me, I don't know if you can see behind me. Um, I got two little kids. One is six. The other one's three. So virtual learning has certainly kept me busy for the first couple of months, but luckily school is out now so we can have a little bit more fun. So between, um, you know, my parenting duties and um, – my duties kind of shifting to working from home, uh, setting up my own TV studio in the house, uh, doing a couple of shows a week from there, and then um, kind of venturing into esports and online gaming. Uh, between those three things and then trying to do some home improvement stuff around the house, um, yeah, I don't have a whole lot of downtime during the days, which is okay with me. Yeah, and you kind of segued it for us there. So obviously the show has to go on and you're, you're now doing it from inside your home. So what's that like the process of preparing and hosting it? Is it weird or is it kind of just going with the flow? Yeah, I just, I hope that once we get back in the studio, they'll still allow me to wear like sweatpants down below you know, <laughs> on air. Cause I've kind of gotten accustomed to just walking downstairs with a cup of coffee and then, you know, just business up top, uh, party down below kind of thing. Um, no, it's been good. Like the technology, I don't, I'd be lying if I said, I understand how it, all kind of works but as long as we have you know a, a good internet connection and, and they set us up pretty quickly with you know professional studio lights and, and a good microphone and things like that and um, they gave us the website to log into and um, honestly you wouldn't you wouldn't really know a difference um, whether we're at our house or in studio you know we have IFBs so I can hear the producer and um, director in my ear um, the only difference is you're not sitting next to your analyst. You're kind of looking at them in, in a four box on zoom. But yeah. other than that, it's been a great way to kind of continue to stay dialed in, engage with our fans and, um, you know, just kind of do what we do in very unnormal, uh, circumstances. When do we expect to see you back at the studio? We're getting there. We're getting there. We've, uh, I've gone in twice or three times now since since March so we we get the call we'd see the bat signal go up and you know on big days when it came to negotiations between the PA and the league or you know uh, moving to phase two or phase three we'd go in but now we're kind of in a in a good place um, safety wise uh, at the network where we can go in they've got their best practices in place when it comes to sanitation and things so we're in there Monday through Friday right now doing a, a one-hour NHL tonight and then you know, today we, we start with exhibition games for three days. And then Saturday uh, we go from zero to about 175 miles an hour real quick for two months. So <laughs> we've had a lot of downtime and uh, that's not going to be the case coming up in a couple of days. So we're, we're all pretty excited for that. For those of the people listening, I got to work at NHL Network for a summer. It was a really cool experience. The place is surreal. Great people. I didn't get to meet you, Jameson, when I was there, but I worked upstairs, but it was a great place to work. So hopefully you guys get to go back there soon. You talk about gaming, and we already know you're a big gamer. What's your go-to team in NHL? 
What's my go-to team? Um, if I had to pick, if I'm just, you know, playing off the cuff, not streaming or anything like that, Bruins, that's who I grew up watching. I love how that team's assembled. But I love playing with the Colorado Avalanche, too. And as a hockey fan, I love watching the Avs because what we see in reality is almost similar to video game hockey. I mean, these guys, that top line of Landis Gog, McKinnon, Rantanen, um, they're dynamic. You know, McKinnon is essentially, he's got the speed of uh, Connor McDavid out there uh, with a little more size, especially in the video game build. And, and then on defense, you've got Kale McCarr, who's just, you know, spin moves, <laughs> buzzing up the ice. So I, th- that, I love playing with the abs, but if, you know, if, if somebody's going to challenge me and I see them playing as like Toronto, I go back to old faithful, the Boston <laughs> oh, Bruins yeah, who I grew up watching. I love those rivalries. Yeah. Yeah. But playing online and, and the fans and stuff, sometimes we'll get suggestions of, Hey, play with the Minnesota wild or Hey, play with my favorite team, Vancouver. So, you know, I, I'm a fan of the random button too. It, it doesn't matter. Um, whatever. I, I think my skills are sharp enough. I can, I can take on anybody with any team. It's the person holding the controller, not the team you play. Exactly, with. right? I always learned that in golf. Like, it's not, oh, it's, no. it's, it's not the clubs. I can have the nicest clubs in the world. I'm still going to shank them into the woods off of the opening tee. So. I'll, I'll still blame the team, though, if I'm losing. If I'm winning, it's me. But if the, I'm yeah. losing, it's the team that I'm playing Absolutely. with. Absolutely. Built an excuse. <laughs> but obviously, so me and Stefan are just getting started in, in sports media. We're doing this podcast, and we write as well. And I know that some of our listeners are similar boats where they're trying to get into it. So – Obviously, it's a competitive industry and just a little bit of your journey and how you broke into getting into the NHL network. Yeah. So so my journey, and, and this is going to kind of date me, but mine is very different than uh, those of you guys going into this industry right now. So mine is a little archaic. So out of school, like I knew this is kind of what I wanted to do and sports was what I wanted to do. But um, there wasn't a lot of avenues into sports and the jobs were even uh, further and fewer between back then. So I, I graduated Syracuse. I sent out about 200 resume tapes um, on VHS back in the day. And I got two callbacks. One was from Marquette, Michigan. It was for a news reporter job and it was going to be a three-year contract out of school. And I knew I didn't want to get locked into something uh, for three years that I really didn't have a passion for. I didn't have a passion for news uh, reporting, but I did have a passion for sports. So the other offer I got was a small station in Dalton, Georgia, and it was making $15,000 a year and it was no benefits or anything like that. But you know, there was no contract that came along with it that tied me down to that specific job. So I went there three months in, um, you know, I got my foot in the door and three months in a, a position opened up in the sports department. I jumped at that. And then I was kind of in, so to speak, the fraternity of the sports uh, world. And it's smaller than, you know, most people think out there. And then from there, I went to Terre Haute, Indiana, and then to Wichita, Kansas, and then to Boston, Massachusetts. And now, you know, you know, cards have kind of played out favorably for me. It's all about timing, uh, a lot of luck, you know, hard work, skill, kind of everything combined there, but definitely timing is everything. And it worked out for me that, you know, now I'm kind of doing my dream job at the NHL network. Um, and, technically employed by the MLB network too. So those are my two favorite sports, one, two hockey and baseball. So you can't really find a, a better place to work under one roof uh, for me personally than those two, two sports. So are you a Red Sox fan? Um, I, I used to be, can we put it that way after what happened uh, to Mookie Betts and that whole situation? <laughs> you know, I, I'll say it all the time. You can't, you can't act like a, a big market team and spend like a small market team. So that kind of, that rubbed us Red Sox fans the wrong way, the way ownership kind of, you know, treated, treated Mookie in that situation. You know, best homegrown talent since Babe Ruth, and you're going to let this guy walk for $60 million bucks. you know, which, yeah, sounds like a lot of money, but then the scheme of things, it's really not that. But, yeah, if, you know, if, if I had to root for a team, it's definitely it's, it's going to be the Sox. Should end this call right now. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but, uh, so you work in NHL Network, and obviously you're around former NHL players, NHL players. Is it ever like just a surreal moment where you sit back and go, wow, I'm talking to someone I used to watch on TV or someone I really look forward to watching on the ice today? Like, what's that experience like? Yeah, no, it's, it's very cool because we're hockey fans first and foremost, right? So you see these guys on the ice, and then the next thing you know, they're in studio with you, and they're kind of, you know – I looked up to them, you know, like these guys are at the top of their craft and, and it's funny, you know, they don't get nervous for anything. They've played in, you know, Stanley cup finals, game sevens, 
all the pressure in the world on them. And then they come into the studio and it's funny to watch these guys get nervous and ask me for advice. Like, Hey man, how do you, uh, like, we've got to do an interview here. How do uh, I just, I, my mind goes blank. How do I do this? It's just, <laughs> that never gets old to me because I'm like, these guys have no idea. Like I'm, I'm nervous sitting next to them. So, but then that kind of guard goes down and these guys are, they're re, you know, I, I think hockey's that way in general. They're just blue collar guys, very down to earth, really good people when it comes down to it. Um, and they were just exceptionally uh, good hockey players. And that's why they made it to the, um, you know, the top of their game. But the cool thing for me is to watch it through their eyes. I learn something new um, every night and it sounds very cliche, but it's so true. You know, these guys see the game so differently. We, you and I can watch a game and I, I played through high school. So I feel like I have a, a pretty good grasp of, of the game and maybe from a, a hockey player standpoint, but when you watch it, um, these guys, you know, I'll see a goal and I'll be like, Oh, sweet pass there by, uh, you know, whoever um, Kuznetsov. Um, and these guys see four plays back the mistake that led to the turnover that led to that pass that led to the, you know, it's just, it's amazing how they see the game and they can see it like that in real time. Whereas, you know, I'm still like, you got to slow it down in super slow-mo for me. So I'm always kind of learning something sitting next to these guys. And that's, that's kind of the coolest thing about this gig. I mean, that's awesome. And I agree. I mean, I've watched games with former NHL players and the stuff that they pick up. I'm, I have to watch in slow motion and rewind to, to find yeah. out what they're doing, but I mean, for us, me and Stefan on the show, we, we do our own prep work and we go into certain things. And obviously it's not extensive, meaning that we're at home and we're, we're doing it ourselves only. But for an NHL network show, what kind of full prep goes into each episode that you guys put out? So we have an incredible um, research department that preps us every, you know, every, every morning and every afternoon, a research packet comes out and the early packet comes out. Um, just kind of, you know, big, big storylines between the matchups of the day or anything we kind of really need to know going into the day. And then as the day goes on, we'll get a research packet at about 2.30 in the afternoon. And that one has like starting goalies and just things that they've seen, um, injuries, you know, stuff like that that they've seen from kind of morning skate. But my prep and everybody kind of preps a little differently. So I'll I'll read through the research packet, go into the meeting with, all right, these are the matchups, you know, tonight, this is kind of the nitty gritty, the, you know, this team really dominates uh, when they're on the road against this team. Just, just kind of fun facts like that. But I think a lot of the prep just comes with being a fan and doing the work. You know, if, if I wasn't on the NHL network or if I'm not hosting NHL tonight, I'm watching the games anyway, as a fan. And I feel like that's 80% of, you know, the preparation is just, keeping up with it. You know, if you take a week off, then you're doing a disservice to your fans out there. So um, my job is to know more than the fans and to provide them with something and to get the most out of our analysts. You know, if I'm not doing that, then I'm not doing my job. So I've just got to be watching the games. Um, and, and then the research department really kind of fine tunes the nitty gritty for us, the, the subplots within the bigger story. Um, and that's kind of how I go about my preparation. But if I'm working five days a week, you know, I'm, I'm in it, um, so to speak. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's kind of built in prep work. And then a lot of it's just diving in for the, uh, the finer details. All right. So before we let you go, we got to set up an NHL game. I got to play you and I want to put a little, a little, roll. On, I want to play a little bet on this and we'll see how you okay. feel like this. All right. You can take whatever you want. If you win, I'll do whatever. But if I win, I would love a follow on Twitter. That's what I, I want to go for there. Easy. That's that's win or lose. You're gonna that's get that. So you can make up. Uh, I, I'll give you whatever you want if you win. But I'm confident. You know, put something on it. All right. Hold on. Who's all right? You kind of indicated who your favorite baseball team was. So I'm gonna take it. You're a a local tri-state native. All right. Mm -hmm. Are you a Yankee fan? I am. Okay. I'm sorry. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. I beat you. Red Sox temporary tattoo on your cheek. For 12 hours. Okay. Uh, wow. Red Sox. Geez, I'm going to cry. All right. Okay. Red Sox I, temporary tattoo. Unless you don't believe in your skills. Oh, oh, I, I, funny. I, I, I believe, mean, I believe in my skills. You know, I think I could do this. You could ask Brendan over there. He's got the scouting reports. You guys could talk privately. All right. Him, yeah. Don't worry. I'm going to ask for that advanced uh, scouting report once we get <laughs> I mean, off here. He, he's good, but his confidence seems to be wavering a little bit right now. Well, I, I know, right? I mean, you walk the walk, but. There's a lot at stake here for both of us, so. 
May, all I got to do is click follow. You've, you've got to walk around in shame. <laughs> Not even I have to walk around tat on shame. your cheek. I got to go out and buy one. And in, in New York, I got to, yeah. Can oh, I go no, no, no. I, I will supply the tattoo. Oh, I'll, you'll I'll, supply the tattoo. Yeah, Mike, trust me. You see this room behind me? I'm sure I've got some lying around <laughs> here in the, the kids' playground. Oh, that's awesome, man. Well, Jameson, yeah. thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Obviously, we love watching you on TV. We hope to see you back in the studio real soon. But take care for now. Stay healthy. And hockey starts today, so it's going to be exciting uh, stuff. Can't wait. Let's go, boys. Floor it. Uh, yeah. Thanks for having me on so much, you guys. Keep up the great work. Uh, best of luck in, in your future endeavors. And uh, let's go. Hockey's back. All right. We'll talk soon, bud. Thank you. Sounds good, guys.
What an incredible interview with Jameson Coyle to end this show. You can follow Jameson Coyle on Twitter at capital J-A-M-I-S-O-N, capital C-O-Y-L-E. Follow us on Twitter. You can follow Brendan Azoff on Twitter at A-Z-O-F-F, B-R-E-N-D-A-N. You can follow me on Twitter at Stefan underscore Rosner. That's S-T-E-F-E-N underscore R-O-S-N-E-R. Like Brendan said earlier in the show, next week we'll be going live. So Tuesday from 9 to 10 will be our hockey show, baseball, the following day Wednesday from 9 to 10 p.m. Stay tuned on Twitter. We'll release more information like the link to go to it. We again, we always appreciate your guys' support and we look forward to talking more sports with you in the coming weeks. Until then, take care.